Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmLife.com. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure you can do this homeschool thing. If you're a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do. Or if you are a homeschool mama unsure that the way you're showing up in your homeschool isn't the way you want to be showing up in your homeschool, then this is the podcast for you. I'm here to encourage you in your homeschool journey to help you strategize ways to turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. So welcome, homeschool mama. We are going to have so much fun on the podcast episode today. Today, I get to introduce you to Jen Dean. Jen is a parenting coach who founded Families Matter Most, an organization that helps families thrive. Having faced difficulties and challenges in her own parenting, she knows firsthand just how tough it can be. She speaks online and all over Canada, offering practical tools to families through private coaching, seminars, camps, and workshops. Families Matter Most material is tailored to reach your child's heart. Her teaching style is lighthearted and empathetic, no judgment here. She's going to specifically help us determine if we're seeing our kids for who they actually are, or if their behavior today, that behavior that might look mean or selfish, actually means that they're going to grow up to become sociopaths that go to jail, or not but she's passionate discussing why character is the most important thing in our homeschool endeavors. If you pay close attention, you're going to hear me take a deep breath every time Jen says breathe, every time she refers to breathing, which is kind of an important thing to do when you're a homeschool parent, learn to intentionally breathe. And I share with her that on my iPod, I have a reminder at 11 a.m. every morning for me to breathe and to check in with myself to see how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking about, except that I've lost my iPod. And I still haven't found my iPod since this episode. I thought I would find it when cleaning out the goat barn, and I did not. So my kids actually tell me that they might be buying me a flip phone for Mother's Day. I really don't want it. Can someone tell them that? I do not need a phone. I am your one homeschool friend that does not own a phone, but my kids don't believe that I really don't want it. So let's take a deep breath together. Get ready for some laughs because today's episode is going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm so glad to have you here, Jen. I've had so many fun conversations with you before our conversation here, and I want everybody else to hear your energy and your your passion for moms too. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for being here. So tell me a little bit about your homeschool family and your your homeschool story. Oh my goodness. Well, I've got three boys. So my husband, Sean and I uh, didn't even know that homeschool really existed when our oldest was young. And then um, we had a five-year gap and then we had two kids quickly, 18 months apart. And yeah. one of them had sensory processing issues, just overstimulation, you know, babies get overstimulated. It was always that. And very much like to the point where if we went to Walmart, the lights and the noise would be too much. Then we couldn't do anything else, you know, Walmart and birthday party in a day that's too much. And there would be huge meltdowns and tantrums and 
it was, it was such a problem and I was just desperate for help and I wasn't getting help from, from people, doctors. I would say, I know something's wrong. And we played around with all kinds of things, diet, everything. And then, and then I found, um, kind of a, I guess a fringe, I don't know, some health person, right? Cause when you're a mom, you just know, you just know in your heart, something isn't right. And I'm willing to do anything, research, try anything anyway. And then I found a neuroeducationalist, oh. which was very interesting. And basically all they do is, is study and test the way the brain inputs information through the senses and the way it outputs. So what comes in, what comes out, are they the same? Is there something, is there some, an area that's weaker that we can practice? So we went there and it was amazing. It was so helpful. Uh, we ended up with hours of therapy every day. And I thought, how are we going to do kindergarten? How are we going to do grade one? And they said, you know what? You can do school at home and you can be done everything in half an hour. And, and I'll tell you how this particular child, I'll tell you how his brain will work best. I'll tell you how to do it. And it'll be, it'll be great. And I kind of just thought, what, how do <laughs> this is an option. And it, so that's kind of what got us started. So we did it for that year for that, that child and saw huge improvement and that, you know, he was in kindergarten and grade one. And so we continued. And then I had a younger boy who was just along for the ride. So he ended up learning to read kind of right along with, you know, our son. And I thought, you know, this is fun. We've got so much more time. We've got flexibility. And I loved that we could focus on what needed focusing, you know, like if, if they were really strong in math, they could move forward and head in math, or if they needed extra time for reading, we could slow down for that. And I just thought, oh, this is, this is lovely. I love it. So really, really good. Really good. I feel like if this particular child had gone to school, it would have been awful. He, he would have just lost it. So, so so it worked out really well. How old is he now? Now he's 17 and he's doing great. He's doing amazing. I don't even think he would qualify for sensory processing disorder anymore because we've done a lot of the work and we set up his environment for success. Yeah. So he could excel academically. We could strengthen what needed working on. You know what I mean? Uh, Had he been in school all day, I think it would have been detrimental because then you're having to, you don't have a choice. You have to focus on academics and this stimulation and all these people and lights and sounds and talking. And I just don't see it going very well. Yeah. And he is your first of three boys. Mm, he is the middle one. My first one was still in school when this was all going on. He oh. was thinking homeschooling's weird. Like who does that? <laughs> I want to be with my friends. And then in grade six, So my younger two are homeschooling with me and it's going great. And we're doing field trips and going to the beach and spending, you know, afternoons at the library. And my son in grade six, he's watching us. He's like, Hey, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. What do you mean? You're done in May. And I still have another four weeks of school. (laughs) So he came home for a few years. Uh, He did amazing. He ended up skipping a grade. He just moved ahead. And then he decided he really wanted to go to high school and, and he did that and graduated and went to university and it was just fine. He was not behind. He did great. Yeah, that's beautiful. So you've got three boys and so your oldest is about 20, 23, 23. He's married. 
Isn't that amazing? Right? It's amazing to me how quickly it goes. People always say, your kids are going to grow up. You're going to sleep through the night again. Yeah. This too shall pass. And as a younger mom, you're like, not going to happen. I'm always going to be sleepless. These kids are never going to grow up. This is going to be never going to change. And then oh, I know other people. Yeah, I know. So my two youngest ones, they've, um, they've been homeschooling all the way through and they're through high school and everything. And one of them is, is so the 17 year old now uh, is taking university courses, you know, at 17 doing great. Yeah. Um, 16 year old is driving now my world is very different than it was. Yeah. 10 years ago. And you know what I miss the most is the family read aloud on the couch. Oh, I still have that, but I keep oh, it for all it's worth. I <laughs> miss it. Those yes. are the best days. Like if I, if I could speak to the homeschool moms that are, you know, that feel like, oh, they can't, they don't have time for the couch time today. They don't have time for tea or hot chocolate or sitting on the couch and snuggling and reading a book together because they have to do math and science and history. And I would say, honestly, I think the most important part of our homeschool was that couch time and like, hold on to that for as long as you possibly can. I miss it. Enjoy those moments and take photos of everything because it really does, it does change so quickly. Yes. You know, you had a post on your Instagram about sibling rivalry, that it can trigger us above everything else. And you spoke at the Canadian Homeschool Conference about sibling rivalry. And that was very popular seminar for a reason. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is for sure. The one of the biggest things for me as a homeschool mom to to breathe through those moments those repeated moments of the kids either bickering or something's going on the energy is intense so what is your what is your tip or what is your advice for homeschool moms that are really experiencing a lot of this Mm, I would say yeah just breathe and hold on mom hold on because there is so much truth to it if you just focus on the character right in our home Character trumps academics. Character is the number one. Everything stops. Everything. I will be late for meetings. I will cancel activities. Everything stops uh, for character. And and my kids, I remember them arguing with me and fighting, but we have to go or I have to do this assignment or I have to. Nope. Full stop for character. So, so that feeling moms, that thing you're feeling when the kids are fighting, or if there's, you know, lying or hitting or whatever it is, or mean words, that feeling, I want to validate that I want to acknowledge it and saying you, you recognize that this is a big deal, because this is character. And these are relationships, and that does matter. And it is important. So I don't want to minimize that. What I would encourage uh, is that you really try and figure out where is it coming from for you. Mm -hmm. So when I work with parents, so we can talk strategies and I'm happy to, we can talk strategies to help kids get along. But I think a part of that for moms is recognizing what is the fear for us underneath that. And when I'm coaching with clients, a lot of it is, oh no, they're fighting. They're not going to get along. They're going to hate each other. They're going to grow up and never talk to each other again. And then, and then I'm going to have a family that won't get together for holidays because so-and-so is not talking to so-and-so. And then my life will be a waste. And then I have no purpose. And then everything I've done is failed. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't that what happens in our heads? Like if we could be honest in that moment, it's like all of our fears rise up that, 
we're not going to get along and we're going to be a fractured, dysfunctional family. And somehow it's going to be our fault, moms, because it's always our fault in our own heads. Right. Yeah. So what do you think? Then you look at that and you say, like, do you have to speak new thoughts to yourself? Yes. So that acknowledging of the feeling. Well, what I would, I mean, it's multifaceted, but I think first steps is because we always feel it in our bodies first. It's always physical first. So the first step is recognizing what do I feel? So for you, is it a crushing chest pain that you feel something squeezing or is it in your throat or is it your shoulders are creeping up to your ears and you're getting all tense in all of those situations, your breathing is affected. You can't take a deep breath now. Try it. Get into that hunched position. Try taking a deep breath. You can't do it. So all of a sudden now your breathing is affected. Your body releases adrenaline. It feels like something's wrong. There's an emergency. Something's terrible is happening here. And now you have this energy, this adrenaline in your body, but also not being able to breathe. So step one is recognizing, okay, I'm upset. (laughs) Clearly uh, something is wrong. My body is not happy. What's going on? And I like to say, drop your shoulders, take a deep breath, tell yourself, and this is hard to do in the moment. Tell yourself there's no emergency. It's going to be okay. There's no emergency. So that's kind of step one. It's really hard to work on your thoughts when you're still in like panic overreacting mode. So first step is drop your shoulders, tell yourself, you know what? There's no emergency. I don't need this adrenaline. We are fine, right? I don't need to run. There's, there's not, I'm okay. Tell yourself that. And then if you can ask yourself, what's going on? Like what I'm, I'm really frustrated because my kids are fighting. Okay. That is frustrating. Am I overreacting? Um, Is my brain making it mean more than it means? Mm. So kids just fought and someone said, I hate you. I don't, I wish you weren't in this family. Okay. Clear. Like not, not a pretty thing, right? We don't like this. However, what's going on? Has your brain decided that one of your children is selfish and mean and maybe a sociopath and are they going to go to jail? (laughs) (laughs) And I joke. But I'm laughing and understanding your (laughs) your narrative. (laughs) Yes, right. We have these thoughts. Uh, Is that what where my brain has taken this to? So then if you can, and this takes practice, like be Uh kind to yourself in this. If you can say to yourself, my brain is making it mean more. Let's stick to the circumstance. The The circumstances, somebody said some rude words. We can deal with that. It's a lot easier to deal with, okay, child A said rude thing to child B than it is to try and deal with so-and-so's a sociopath and somebody's not going to be a functional adult and they're never going to have a good relationship ever. And it's all my fault. I love that. That's so funny. And, you know, recognizing that, especially at a certain age, and I know it's very dependent on the child, but somewhere in my experience from about the age of 10 to 15, 16, there is an intensity that ramps up. And when we engage that, like it is, how do you say, I want to say like, it's real, but it is real. But if we engage it, like it's on the same adult level as us, as though it was our partner engaging us that way. It's not, there's like a level of energy that is ramped up simply because they're in that age. It's so true. It's so, so true. That's a really great point, Teresa. I mean, I like to teach, I like to teach it like a roller coaster, you know, our kids, their brains are developing. They've got all kinds of things going on, you know, especially as they're getting into the preteen and teen years, we got hormones, we got all kinds of stuff that we're dealing with here. And we want to be a support to them. And we want to model 
calm. I like to say we need to be the calm. And that's really hard to do in the face of the storm. So again, you know, put your shoulders down, take that breath. There's no emergency. I like to encourage parents that, you know what, our kids, they're never going to be a little bit of anything. They're never just a little bit hungry. They're starving. They're never just, you know, I'm a little bit tired. They're exhausted. They're never a little bit upset. They're like devastated. And so just recognize that our kids are on a roller coaster. Having some empathy for that is it's never a little bit of anything. It's the highs or the low lows. And so can you respond calmly in the face of that? So even, you know, if you've got a child of any age, that's like, oh, I'm so tired. I can't move. I can't walk. I can't do anything. (laughs) So instead of responding at that kind of level of emotion, can you just think to yourself, oh, they're a little bit tired. (laughs) right? I'm so angry at this person. They hurt me. I'm never going to talk to them again. I can't believe they did that thing. Oh, so you're, you're a little bit upset with your friend. Like if you can respond in that, that neutral, like bring the emotion down and try and not get on the roller coaster, that would be so helpful. And I've failed in this so many times, Teresa, it's so hard to do. And when you speak about this, then I think, oh, you know, once upon a time, and it really wasn't that long ago, but once upon a time, my, my challenge in it, when you're talking about being calm is that, but it's triggering me, it's making me feel anxious, it's making me feel all these different feelings. And all I want to do is make it stop. Yep. Just make it stop. Just 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 make it stop. stop. Yeah. But I found to my utter surprise that actually really allowing them to speak or share their feelings, really allowing it to just do its thing, burn out in all of the energy and all of the words that when they feel heard, it will stop. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that just the way it is? Like if, if I'm talking to a friend, we're all that way. If we're having a really hard day and we we call a friend and we're like, I'm feeling just so upset and I don't know. And it's this awful feeling. And then your friend says, oh, do you feel lonely? And then you're like, yes, yes, that's what it is. Immediately you feel heard and yourself. Yep. And immediately it starts to go down. Right. And so we're mirroring that for our kids. Of course, that assumes that we're doing it for ourselves first, but then we're doing it for our kids and they're more able to do that. And some days we can do it well and others not so much. Yeah. Some days, I mean, some days I say to my kids, I'll I'll say, I've lost my smile. Please don't ask me anything. It's probably going to be no, like I just need, (laughs) I just need to get to bed. I I do not, I've lost it. I'm sorry. I'm I feel like I'm not a good mom now. Like really, <laughs> I just need, and we're at a place where we can kind of joke each other through that, uh-huh. but I'm also yeah. letting them know, like, I'm not at my best, please give me grace, yeah. you know, and I'm really going to try, but this is not the time to have that deep conversation about why you should have more privileges. Cause it's not going to go well. yeah because you're acknowledging your own space and then they're learning to do that for themselves as well yeah all acknowledging those big emotions Um, you actually last time we spoke we talked about dealing with anxiety and engaging the real emotion and I remember us talking about dysregulation I know that that's probably a word from my realm but how would you engage dealing with anxiety because this is kind of what we're talking about is underlying anxiety. Absolutely. You know, I think we all have things we don't want to look at. We all have things we just can't bear 
to deal with right now. And unfortunately we can't make, we can't make people deal with things, you know, if we can't for better or worse. Right. And we all appreciate that in our own life because nobody would enjoy that. Oh, I know why you're upset. It's because this happened in your childhood or this happened, you know, (laughs) nobody would appreciate that. You can't do it until you're ready. So can we provide a safe, accepting, welcoming environment for our kids to feel like they can look at some of these things? Uh, An area, if, you know, for moms, uh, an area that you might want to look at is procrastination. Mm -hmm. Lots of our kids in uh, like in homeschool, there's procrastination, there's putting off the getting things done. And absolutely, some of it is probably laziness. Some of it is I just don't want to, I'd rather do this other thing instead. But there might be underlying some real avoidance due to anxiety. Because what if I work really hard on this project and it doesn't, what if I don't do well? What if, right, I try writing a song and putting it out for the world and people comment and it's awful. What if I try out for the sports team uh, or the school, the play or whatever it is, you know, what if I decide I want to really try out for this A-level soccer team and I don't get it? There's Mm -hmm. a lot of anxiety that our kids are trying to sort through in life And I think if we can be, if we can recognize it, that will help us to deal with it better to, instead of saying, oh, just don't talk about it. Just, just ignore it. You're going to be fine. Just let it go. Just don't think about it. That's not really helpful. That's acknowledging the big emotions again. Yeah. And actually really acknowledging their feelings. What I like to help parents do and all of this takes practice and I get it wrong sometimes. So, (laughs) so we're going to keep right? We're in the trenches with our kids together. We're going to keep figuring it out. But what I like to encourage parents to do, instead of minimizing the fear, if your child comes to you and it's like, I'm really nervous about the driver's test tomorrow or this tryout for the team or to go to the co-op because I don't know any of the kids or whatever, whatever it might be, instead of minimizing that, oh, don't think about it, just ignore it. You're going to be fine. Uh, acknowledge that. See, like, you know what, that would be scary. Can you think of a time? So here's, here's something you can do. Can you think of something in your own life that you were afraid to do the same feeling? Can you think of a time, you know, when you tried something hard and new and you didn't know if you would be good at it or if you would make the team, can you think of a time when you went somewhere and you didn't know anyone? And can you remember that feeling of like, will I be accepted? Mm-hmm. Will I make any friends? Because adults, we have those same thoughts. Will I know anyone? Will I get to know anyone? Will I sit all by myself? All of those same fears. Can you think of a time for yourself and then try and acknowledge the same feeling? You know what? You know what, son? I remember feeling that way too. When I joined this class, I didn't know anybody. And I remember being nervous walking in for the first time. But so we're acknowledging the fear. But what I like to do is also acknowledge the treasure. So we can call it like, acknowledging so you can think of it as David and Goliath acknowledging Goliath but also thinking about the David or acknowledging the dragon Mm -hmm. but also acknowledging the treasure so yeah I I recognize the dragon there I can see the fear there but what if what where's the treasure what if it was amazing what if you made a best friend in that class and it was someone that you know you guys both just really enjoyed each other's company and you stayed friends forever wouldn't that be cool or or what if what if you joined that soccer team and you how would it feel to score a goal or how would it feel to be goalie and block one or 
whatever it is, like share the positive vision. What if you went to co-op and you just loved learning about new things and hanging out with kids and it was so much fun? What if it was the best day ever and you look forward to it every week? So that's what I encourage. Yeah, I remember my uh, one of my girls dance teachers saying before she went on stage, so are you nervous or are you excited? Because in our bodies, that angst feels like excitement. And, mm-hmm. you know, like how we physically feel it is very similar. And now it could actually be fear. It could be anxiety, but it also could be excitement. So how we frame it can actually Absolutely. shift how we're experiencing it. Yeah, I totally agree. I just feel like it doesn't work to ignore no. the fear if it's there. Right. If it's there, let's acknowledge it and then share that positive vision. Just like you said, Uh Uh, I I heard someone say, I think it was Mel Robbins could have been someone else talk about just like what you're sharing is, is you can shift fear to excitement. And the only difference is breath. Like with fear, it's like a, and you hold your breath, but with excitement, you're like, I'm excited and you breathe out. So sometimes just thinking about your breathing, don't hold your breath breathe out. I'm excited because this could be amazing. Do you know if we can actually clock how many times you've said breathe and I've breathed, I bet you can actually hear me breathing every <laughs> single time you said breathe. <laughs> Teresa, breathe. Yeah. <laughs> you have at, to do it. at 11 o'clock, actually every day, my iPod is going off somewhere telling me to breathe. And really? yeah, it is, although I've presently lost my iPod. So, <laughs> so somewhere. You- somewhere I'm hard to know but you're actually reminding me to breathe uh sometimes that experience though of angst even though it can feel like fear or it can feel like excitement in our bodies it really is angst it really is worry about what is going to happen next or will this situation work for me or I don't know about the situation I'm not experienced the situation so yeah I'm with you in the really here what is the thing what are the thoughts behind the feelings for your child which Absolutely. is assuming you're doing it with yourself too that's um, yeah. that's the hardest part all of this like it's one thing to sit with our kids yeah but but for our own selves here's here's the crux of it if we are not comfortable sitting with sadness then we're not going to be comfortable with our kids' sadness. Right, exactly. We just can't. We, it, we, we go into that, make it stop. Just make it stop. Yeah. Just go away. Just do your own thing. And I've seen this before, you know, and I've, I've struggled with this myself. So in my own family of three kids, right? Yeah. One of my kids is really comfortable with sadness. If something goes wrong, if he gets hurt, then he immediately like wants to run to someone for support and comfort. Uh, so, which is wonderful. So think about it for you. If, when, when you get hurt, are you the kind of person that you like want to run to someone, help me, I'm hurt, like give me a hug or, or let me talk to you or whatever that is. Or if you get hurt, are you the kind of person that you're like, no, leave me alone, leave me alone. Like Mike, one of my sons is great for comfort and he runs two people. Another one of my sons, pushes them away. And he's like the kid and I'm like this too. So I get it. He's like the kid where if he stubbed his toe or hurt himself, he'd be like, okay, just leave me alone. Just give me some space. I'm going to just stop talking to me. (laughs) He's that kid. So he actually pushes people away. He's more comfortable with anger. Uh And so as a parent, if you are more comfortable with one emotion than the other, you might naturally feel closer Uh with that kid and that other one, it will be more difficult for you. The solution 
is not to just say, oh, I guess we're just not, you know, we're just not alike. The solution is to figure out, okay, what's the issue when he's upset? I instinctively want him to just go sort it out on his own and come back when he's feeling better. It's hard for me to sit with him. The solution is for you to get more comfortable with sadness and you'll see a huge improvement in your relationships. Yeah, that's so good. And to, you know, that's why personality profiling and Enneagram and Myers-Briggs and all these different things have been really helpful for me because I can see that I am me, I'm a type two and I'm the one that's totally fine if you're sad and you need a hug to come here. And I have that, I have two of those people in my family too, that are like, I'm fine. I don't need a hug. And I'm like, I don't get that. What do you mean? You don't need a hug. Yeah. But, but, and it's not an Enneagram type by the way, but there are certain penchants for engaging differently. And it's really helpful for me to see it through personality profiling, or just frankly, trying to understand another person that is different than you. And they're just different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everything that you're saying, and kind of the theme that I'm hearing in our conversation today is we just have to deal with our stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it is actually the theme of this podcast. It is the theme of my life. I That's right. Heard. That's right. We all just yeah. need to deal with our stuff. It's, you, do it for you because you deserve it, but do it for your kids because it will help your family too. Exactly. A natural extension. So however you're regulated or however you're engaging your big emotions, you're naturally teaching your kids and you don't even realize you're doing it. Yep. Yep. I know it's hard, but worth it. So it reaches the heart of your kids too, though. And that is a passion that you have in families that are most. Absolutely. We haven't even shared that you actually do family coaching. So I can see the poster on the back, families matter Mm -hmm. most, family coaching. And your passion is reaching the heart of your children. Absolutely. I, so a decade ago, more than that, when my kids were young, I felt like I wasn't doing any of these things. I felt like the worst mother ever. I felt like nothing was working. I'm failing my kids. I don't know what I'm doing. And I would, I would pack my kids in the minivan they would be safe. Everything would be fine. And then I would sit on my step and cry. Like, and I did that regularly. I, I think I probably cried every day. I felt awful. I felt like a stranger off the street could do a better job raising my kids than I, I, I did. I was yelling. I was so angry. I was so hurt. I, I felt like I'd lost myself, like all of the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I was at. And I was trying to climb out of this pit. I was exhausted. Anyway, a step at a time, I started trying to figure it out. And I, I tried everything. Now I'm dating myself, but back then Dr. Phil and Oprah were, were like the leaders of, they knew everything about everything, including parenting. And they would have all these ideas and you should just do this. Thing. And I tried them all. I tried them all super nanny nine, one nanny, nine, one, one, like all of those things. I tried all of it. I was desperate, but I found in those days, and, and I see it now too, behavior modification was, mm-hmm. was the new way. It was just making your kids behave. And I was trying all these things. Some of them worked, some of them didn't at all. But I noticed that, you know what, I'm not reaching the hearts of my kids. And I could see that I could make them, I could bully them, I could force them to comply. But at what cost? I mean, I could just see our relationship widening and this wall going up between us. And I thought, you know, it's not worth it. There's got to be a way to do this well so that yes, my kids could behave. They could be good kids, 
and they would do the right thing, not just because they were afraid of getting in trouble. They could do the right thing because it was the right thing. What do I need to do to raise kids that want to do the right thing? So it became all about connection and reaching their hearts, all about character. Everything stops for character. That's the number one thing. And I'm so grateful that we have amazing relationships now. I love hanging out with my teens. They are so much fun. So that is what you do is you work with home or with families and help them deal with those things, really try to connect in with their relationships with their kids. Oh, yes. So I've tried everything. I have strategies for every behavior, every character, everything. I help parents stop yelling. If you struggle, they feel like, man, I yell all the time. I'm always angry. They don't listen unless I yell. That's a big one Um, for homeschool families, for sure. Right. Is I'm now a drill sergeant because I'm mom, but I'm also a teacher. Um, I help with all of that stuff, helping brothers and sisters to get along, cooperate, have more peace in the home. I mean, we want We want peace in our home. We want cooperation. We want unity. I help you to actually get it. So I work privately with families. I work with moms dealing with their own hearts. I work with parents, you know, so you can parent on the same page. You can stop yelling. But I also do the super nanny thing. I also go into homes live or virtually and I work with families. And you know what? Having a third party to roll out. This is what we're doing. And Jen is teaching us all how to work on anger. The whole family's working on anger. And then, you know what, we're, we're meeting up again. There's accountability. Like I have to tell Jen, if I've been kind to my brother, I have to tell Jen, right. If did I yell at people this week and that's been so effective, so helpful. Wow. So where do we find you online? And I should add that you have a podcast as well. Families matter most and passionate, you know, you hear Jen's passion and just clarity. And she really does share that on the podcast. She's really interesting to listen to. And when I find my podcast again, or my uh, iPod again, I will be listening. (laughs) (laughs) So, and Teresa is a guest on the podcast. So you can hear more. It's a, it's a different conversation. So you can hear more of Teresa and I on the families matter most podcast, just search families matter most, wherever you get your podcast and it will come up. Uh, I love to connect online, um, Facebook, Instagram, just search families matter most. Uh, and then there's a website families matter You can actually book a free strategy call. If you're like, gee, I don't know. I really love Teresa. I've never, I don't know about Jen. You can book a free strategy call and we can chat and I can kind of share what it's like doing the private coaching, uh, what it would be like working with your kids, what maybe some of your goals could be, and then you can decide if it's a good fit. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you coming and chatting again with me. Thanks for having me, Teresa. We'll do it again. I'm so glad that you are part of the Homeschool Mama self-care podcast community. I can't wait to get to know you more and your homeschooled kiddos. I encourage you to jump on to my website, www.capturingthecharmlife.com. And in the show notes page of this podcast episode, you can share all about you, introduce you and your homeschooled kids on the SpeakPipe app to that page. Or you can throw a comment up on any page and I'd be happy to connect with you because I'm here to walk alongside you from one homeschool mama to another to encourage you toward clarity, confidence, and vision in your homeschool. This podcast explores aspects of self-care that I hope will serve the real homeschool mom in her real homeschool days. Because there are a few issues that most homeschool moms grapple with. 
Sometimes we grapple with that not good enough feeling, perfectionism, loneliness, anger, doubt, boredom, anyone? How about impatience or having to reparent ourselves after past trauma, even self-confidence and identity issues, and most definitely overwhelm? All the human feelings in the homeschool mom experience. To build into this community, I have created a Patreon community. I've recently opened a Patreon community. As a supporter, your contribution helps me access equipment, reach guests, and supports the time it takes to get into the creative work to build each of these episodes. Be a supporter and you receive access to my Patreon-only feed, access to extended guest interviews, discounts on group mentoring intensives and masterminds, all the archived Patreon episodes and content, a community of like-minded homeschool moms. You can also access monthly support chats and ask me anything days. I'm really looking forward to building into this community, building into you and getting to know you. If you're interested in joining the Homeschool Mama self-care Patreon community, you can check me out on patreon.com homeschoolmamaselfcare. I'll see you there.